Untitled Beatles podcast. <laughs> well, this is Untitled Beatles, uh, <laughs> Untitled Beatle Talk. Uh, I'm Tony Mendoza. Hey, TJ Shanoff. Hey, Tony. How are you, my friend? Great. Uh, I'm inspired by the just off kilter enough. Let it be album cover where it's, it's oh, the yeah. design and different photo. It, it, is that one of the weird Glenn Johns versions that I, I don't have? What is that? <laughs> yeah, this is, well, this is from get back. You know, there's a <laughs> distinction. I, I'm kind of a more of a get back guy. <laughs> oh yeah. You, you love a lazy cover of save the last dance for me. I know we all do. <laughs> That's what I'm in it for. It is. It's the 50th anniversary of Let It Be today, correct? Today. That's so we're, wild. We're, we're recording this. We had this plan for a while, and it's Friday, May 8th, and we had different topics for our first kind of untitled Beatles uh, discussion <laughs> that we'll get to. But I was read something, I think Rolling Stone this morning, said it was the 50th. So like any true Beatle fan in 2020, I brought up my late issue. Uh, yeah, um, that's what I had. Yeah, this is a great, this I love, by the way, we can get totally off track here. I love the last issue tapes that added the Apple label back in like the late 80s, early 90s. They yeah. changed the catalog number. It was like SW, now it's C4 when Capital redid their whole numbering. Now that's I've good convinced stuff. myself, Tony, I've convinced <laughs> myself that the last issue Beatles cassettes sound better. They probably don't. <laughs> Maybe I'm pressing Dolby NR and Chrome and all that, but yeah, 2020, yeah, it's you know. So CR02 cartridge. <laughs> right, right. Cartridge. So yeah, so I've been, li- I've been listening to Let It Be all day, and uh, I'm glad we are shifting uh, our topics on the inaugural Untitled Beatles podcast or whatever the hell this is. Yeah, yeah. I, uh, let it be. I, I dug out all my Let It Be stuff. Um this is it's going to be hard to see, but my so my mom I think bought the Let It Be record. She was in college at the time, and uh, she bought it because she was a fan back in the teeny popper days. Lost interest when they got psychedelic because she wasn't into drugs or whatever. And uh, you know, good Catholic girl. And but she bought the Let It Be record because she knew it was going to be their last. Anyway, I, she also used to have this British pen pal that she would, uh, you know, communicate with via airmail and uh somehow she got her hands on i don't know if you've ever seen this my copies it's in rough shape this is a book that came out uh here let me turn my stuff off so you can see it um the british version came in a box set right originally is that right yeah yeah exactly so so yeah here's here's you know uh it's in rough shape but you you would pull this out you know that was the cover. And then in it was the the record. You know, here's the original from 60, 70, I guess, right? Is that the gatefold, like the American initial issue? Or is it... Uh, yes, sir. Yeah. It is the gatefold. Okay. Yeah, so gatefold with the, the red apple. Right. Uh, and then it also... So then it also comes with this book which I actually now, I remember trying to read it when I got into the Beatles, like when I was in junior high or whatever and not really getting it. But anyway, there's this, it's the book and mine, unfortunately the binding is all. So these, um, a lot of these uh, pages are, (laughs) they're loose. See what I mean? Here's a beauty, Tony. You can (laughs) rebuy it this fall for $600 when the archival (laughs) deluxe edition comes out. When they re-release the film, so it's true. Hold on to that, buy it again. 
That's what they want. <laughs> well, and, the, and that's what they'll get. <laughs> Although I, that's awesome. Yeah. That you have that. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I remember reading it and it's just kind of a lot of like, what? I don't get it. It's, it's very, um, Michael Lindsay Hogg or even Andrew Lou Goldham or whatever. It's kind of just like bits of lyrics and bits of, uh, pieces, mostly photographs and a lot of dialogue. It's basically a lot of their, um, dialogue that was probably in the film. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah, this is a nutty record. You now, if I recall, TJ, you particularly like this record, right? Yeah, I uh, almost went on a weirdo Facebook rant today. Still might. Um, it's never too late. <laughs> thank you for the encouragement. <laughs> I, I need it. Um, oh, hey, I just dropped something here, but I want to show you before we move on to my love for this album. I showed you the cassette. This is uh, one of the last issue capital versions of this they did in 95 a limited edition but i think when capital switched over to um again their last vinyl pressings they did one more issue they didn't change the code but you know the last capital issues from the 70s on ditched the gatefold and had the record in the sleeve replicating what was on the gatefold but this one too tony let's get real weird the small capital label. If you see one of these, the purple label with the small capital, these I think are among the best pressings you can get in terms of the American vinyl. I think they remastered. It's not the CD remasters, but they kind of bounced up the vinyl a bit toward, oh, here comes our loudness wars conversation. <laughs> but uh, so at, at any rate, I, I grew up, I mean, I grew up with an old Apple copy and in high school, when this came out, this is what I really listened to. It's in great shape, but I, I love this album. I, I think it is, it's been maligned. I guess it was maligned way before we were even born. I think people yeah. kind of gave this album shit upon its release, but the fact that it's so messy and the fact that, you know, they recorded Abbey Road after this, obviously, but Abbey Road came out first and let it be for the, the world was the epitaph, right? I mean, yeah, yeah. it's tough to take the side two medley culminating with the end with much face value when the album that came <laughs> out after that is this. So um, yeah. it, I, I love that it's weird. I love that it's rough around the edges. I love that it's weirdly overproduced at times and way <laughs> underproduced at other times. I, I, I love hearing Billy Preston. There's so yeah. much about the weirdness of this album plus the beauty and we can get into, we'll go track by track for the next 16 hours on let it be and let it be naked. Talk about a money grab. <laughs> oh, Paul, God bless you. Um, no, but just to kind of put a, a, a button on this. Yeah. One of the things I love about it is I don't think there's any Beatles album is weird and weird Beatles plus some of their greatest songs um, and right. weird songs that still kind of fit. Like there's weird songs in magical mystery tour, but they feel better than they are because the whole is greater than the sum of its parts. So yeah, I love it. I, I, I love this album forever. Where are you with let it be in the Beatles. Well, time, we got to go. We'll see you next time. everybody. <laughs> Sorry, Tony, go on, go on, go on. We did run out of time though. No, but uh, <laughs> no. All right. So in the Beatles canon, uh, I would rank it as either my least favorite or second to least favorite. <laughs> Oh, okay. Then what, what, what's it in competition? It's got to be Beatles for sale that you're in competition. Thank with. you. Oh, yeah. How, you, yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. yeah because, because you've long been a Mr. Moonlight hater. <laughs> no, actually, I don't mind. I love the organ solo on Mr. Moonlight. I'm a Mr. Moonlight defender. It's all those covers. It's all those. I'm not. Uh, to me, they're, the, the originals on there are good, right? But there's, it's, I think it's the album that has the most covers on it. Um, it's a good question. Is it the first one or Beatles for Sale? I, I don't know. But the, to me, the originals make it that opening triptych of uh, No Reply, I'm a Loser, and Babies in Black is among my favorite openers of any Beatles album. No, you're right. You're right. You're right. right. No, they have their, and I think that's why maybe let it be. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So I don't hate it. I don't hate it. Right. But um, what are my favorite tracks? I like two of us, of course, across the universe. Actually, I always forget that that's on this record. You know what I mean? And the non freaky sped up version of it without all the fucking birds and. Yeah. Right. The stuff you want to fast forward (laughs) through. Yeah. Right. (laughs) Um, Yeah. And I do. I do like the long and winding road, but the other songs I'm not that into. (laughs) <laughs> I, i'm fascinated to hear you say that because i'm an i'm an anti-long and winding road guy and i've long as a paul mccartney and we will get into for those of us anybody who may be watching us knows us but we got to get into our our weird beetle things at some point but I, i'll i'm a paul mccartney apologist i i'll apologize for every song i'm pressed to play i'll listen to however absurd now uh but mccartney has long talked about how Phil Spector ruined Long and Winding Road with strings and choirs. And in concert, not as much in Wings Over America, but like post-89 McCartney when he does it, Wicks is playing all the strings. It's like uh, he's fetching about Jewish term. I got to ding a bell every time I say something super Jewish. Paul's (laughs) complaining about all the strings on Long and Winding Road. Originally, I, I think... The way you look at Let It Be is the way I look at Long and Winding Road. We both think each respective song is mawkish. Is that fair? <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. I like that. I, I, li- I like that song and I like it with the strings. Like the version that the naked version or whatever is um, uh, missing to me. It feels uh, unfinished. It feels like a rough mix. Honestly, that whole record feels like a rough mix. I like all the Spectre the the murderer uh, produ- production <laughs> that is on this record. No, I, I I do I do like it. Yeah, I think Dig a Pony's all right. I was in I was in a band. We covered that song. I like that they got rid of the. Um, uh, whenever you watch the movie, they they add that one more like all I want oh. is I I uh-huh. I don't like right, that. Right. I'm glad they got rid of that. <laughs> I don't like that. So good, good, uh-huh. good job. Eventually, it was George Martin. No, no, it was Phil Spector, right? Who ended? I thought George Martin says thanks to George Martin, Glenn Johns, Billy Preston. Anyway, but I guess yeah. a, a, it was produ- It was officially produced by Phil Spector. Well, and that and that's what. So if you look at the liner notes on the back cover, it's it's such a funny. It's a new yeah. phase Beatles album, right? It's. Yeah, with I, all I, the I, uh, electronic, whatchamacallit, <laughs> live. This version, the same one you're holding up, and this is a sticker from, I got a Beetle Fest in like 80 or 81 that I threw on here. Um, <laughs> Stickers were hot in the 80s. Still still are hot, son. <laughs> what am I talking about? Um, but I... Yeah. Okay. So sorry, you were, I got thrown off track because I had to show you my uh, same copy and sticker, but you like the Phil Spector production. I, like I the, think, yeah. 
Yeah. I, I, I agree I, with I, you that it's messy and all those things yeah. you said. Um, yeah, it just doesn't have my favorite songs on it. I think, I think I just, the other albums contain more songs that I, I go back for. The Glenn Johns version of this is interesting in that we joked about it at the beginning. It's got some weird stuff on it, although still fragmented. I mean, there's still the kind of, I think Maggie May or Diggit Fragment is on that Glenn Johns one. I haven't pulled that out in, in many, many years. But yeah, I haven't heard it in a while. It's, you know, it's a lot, it's a lot of the bullshit of the movie, the instrumental kind of rocker, you know, song. And again, that lazy, cause that's the thing about the film and uh, they're reissuing the film and Peter Jackson's going to recut it to make it like, Oh, we were happy back then. They're going to sing about the Beatles again. Like <laughs> I, I, I love them. I'll defend them forever. But a lot of the revisionist history, we don't need it. Be honest. Let it be. Was a me- look at the anthology. They talk about it in their own words. What a disaster those sessions. Yeah. Were. That's what I, I read. I read that uh, this morning uh, in, in preparation for this. And I was looking for that Peter Jackson angle on it. And every quote in there is based, it's from them. It's only the Beatles talking, occasionally George Martin saying like, yeah, we, you know, we, we were, we, we weren't getting along, you know, and George walks out, George walks out. Um, you know, Ringo had walked out six months earlier, like, there's cracks starting to happen. Yoko's adding this tension there because John just kind of, you know, I love Yoko. So I'm, I'm not gonna, it's not about that. It's just that it's when you bring another element in kind of without permission or whatever, you, you're breaking the, and then they're recording in that film studio, which oh, is that cold. all of them. It's some iteration of it's cold. It sucks. How do you make music at 9am, you know, 10am? Yeah. Yeah, no, they weren't. And they were also yeah. being filmed. And, you know, when you're just constantly being filmed by cameras that make noise, by the way, those reels go clickety-clack, clickety-clack. Like, so it's not just like... I a, think Ringo got his metronome. He fought it every time. <laughs> <laughs> well, you want to go track by track on it? Yeah. I, I uh, Before we go there, I want to kind of piggyback on the movie and the movie being dour, again, is unlike any part of the Beatles story, right? I mean, A Hard Day's Night and Help and Yellow Submarine, Metro Mystery Tour are very, like, when you think about the movies they made, some of which you've held up better than others, they're all these disparate, that's the thing about the Beatles, right? Is that uh, with, we don't need to get into other, other bands are great. And whoever anybody's favorite band is, God bless. You, you can't tell someone who their favorite band should be. But I think it's fair to say that the variety in the Beatles career musically, uh, 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 Appearance-wise, certainly on film, what band in seven, eight years has had that many? It's all over the place. And let it be being dour and up. It's 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 the dichotomy album. When we go track by track, we'll get into it. So, <laughs> I think the Phil Spector stuff's overproduced. I do prefer the album version of Let It Be to the single version. I think the mix in that George solo, uh, it's it's louder. It's better. It's to me, it just it's a louder I, I, album. Let it be to me over um, single. Let it be, but it also omits "Don't Let Me Down," which was a yeah. huge. I, I would love this record a lot more same. if that song was on there. Same with "Old Brown Shoe." It's same <laughs> with "Old Brown Shoe." Uh, both of which were looked at as so good they were included in the the Blue Album, right? I mean, yeah. Yeah. they were looked at as you used. I love the word "canon" used earlier. Those songs and that single were looked at as canon when the uh, Greatest Hits album came out. So. Yeah, I, I, I love that it's messy. I love that it's sad. I love that it's optimistic. Uh, Long and Winding Road, to me, the 
when I want to hear that, the version I go to is Wings Over America. To me, that simple kind of sparse, stony, Paul, it's like six minutes. Paul just takes his, you know, <laughs> God bless weed. Weed to me makes me nuts. Weed to a lot of people like Paul, like, how, how come yesterday on Wings Over America is four and a half minutes? Like, what, 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 pick it up. Come on. Um, but yeah, the worst version of that song, by the way, oh God, this would make you of all people. Uh, musician and music aficionado Tony Mendoza. If you haven't heard the cover Paul does on the Give My Regards to Broad Street album of Long Unwinding Road, <laughs> it opens with a saxophone solo that sounds like bad moonlighting underscore. <laughs> it's, and it's got like a weird kind of like uh, new agey uh, keyboard in it. Like you know, uh, the the Yamaha DX7. That's it's, it's, the, that it's the electric piano thing. patch. <laughs> The one that you play when you're trying to do a bit of just the way you are, Beverly Joel. It's yeah. that. It's that. Yeah, band. I think that's the DX7. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So at, at any rate, check out the Give My Regards to Broad Street version yeah. where he recorded it, and it ends. The chord he uses to end it on is, I mean, just trust me on this. So let's. Go uh, yeah. We'll do we'll do a whole episode and give my regards to Broad Street. I'm gonna need a lot more weed. I'm gonna need you know. I need to watch it again. <laughs> well, yeah. So all right, let it be. Came out 1970, right? We are definitely right on that, right? And uh, 50 years ago today, the 8th of May in 1970. Yeah, that would be it. So it kicks off with uh, John Lennon talking. I dig a pygmy. Yeah, right. I, I, as a kid, I never knew what he was saying. I still no. kind of don't, but it, no. but it's it's in your brain. I love it. Yeah, yeah. When you first hear it, you know, you're like, "Who is that?" And you're like, "Oh, I guess that's that's John doing one of one of those characters he did." And it's yeah. what's cool is you know we come. Let's just talk improv. You know, the, how do you create not just a scene but a life? Somebody kill me. Um, <laughs> The album opens and closes with John doing bits. Oh, you're right. That's I another even, thing I love about it is. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's good. That's good. I mean, yeah. yeah. Maybe the idea of this is, I guess, you, man, you got to sell this Beatles fan on this Beatles record. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Challenge accepted. Coming up. <laughs> no, two of us. I like this song. Uh, I, I, so I'm like a music guy more than a lyrics guy. And I don't hear lyrics that much. But from what I understand, it's this is a song Paul wrote about Linda, but it's also about John a little bit. I think it was written about Linda, but I think interpreted as, you know, a little bit like Hey Jude, you know, is singing Hey Julie. And I think two of us has written about Linda, but maybe sung to John. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's a great song. I, I mean, yeah, it, this is one of my favorites on the record. And I think it shows how Paul... Paul was probably least affected musically, professionally, however, by the all the elements crashing down around the band. Paul wanted to just keep going. This is the deal. It's it's admirable, you know, when it's like, yeah, and he's talking about camera shots and like what originally this product was going to be, which was this big movie and maybe a concert performance and all this and that. And it ended up being kind of this, which the messy mishmash you were talking about. But I think this song, it's cool. It's its sentimental in a way that um, that I resonates with me more than others. Yeah, it, it's I, I'd call it a favorite. And I actually have heard it so much and still love it so much. The version I tend to go to is the kind of the the the, the faster tempo take that is on a bunch of the bootlegs that is. Oh, the, yeah. 
the movie beeping into every <laughs> you know eight seconds. Which will the reels, stroke, the reels, <laughs> the reels um, changing. Yeah, but uh, yeah, to me, like uh, it's 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 a favorite. The scent, it's perfect, Paul. In that, it's when Paul hit that sweet spot that he has so many times of being sentimental without being gross and cheesy. It's yeah. Here, Cloying. His sentimentalism, yeah, without cloying is a perfect word. His sentimentalism feels genuine and inspiring. And not, I mean, certainly there's mawkish moments in Paul's Beatles career, way more in a solo career, but even those musically are gorgeous. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, this is a great song. Great song. And it's, and it's a great, it's a great kickoff on the record, too. I love Ringo's beat on it, just the simple bass drum, but I also love how it's recorded. Oh, this is also when he switched to that um that different kit, the the Ludwig kit that had the five piece kit. He got a I forget there's a name for it that it's slipping my mind. But um yeah, so he started to play a little differently around this record too. Just because having that extra tom tom in there, it just any little element changes something up a little bit. And even one of those fills getting into the bridge, the da 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 you and yeah, even some of his fills yeah. felt just just different and uh, beautiful. The whole song's beautifully played. Yeah. Yeah. It's cool. It's a good song. Do you have anything else on that one? No, man. There's that, uh, it was used in the Sean Penn movie. I am Sam, which I don't think you can make now. It was a jazz 90, record. The jazz, or two, the jazz singer. <laughs> Neil well, diamond Paul's, is Paul's going through his jazz singer. <laughs> the Neil diamond version. <laughs> Uh, yeah, it's uh, uh, Amy Mann and Michael Penn do a version of it that is uh, just a lovely, light, kind of early 2000s little tribute to the song. That's cool. That's a little Beatle cover for you there. No, great one. And that goes into I Dig a Pony. I like the, With false, the false start. start. Yeah, yeah. False start's great. So that's them telling us, yeah. all right, this record's going to be a little different or, you know, we're... The idea was that we're going to show us playing live, warts and all. No, I know John Lennon was yelling at George Martin. I don't want any of your, don't want any of your bullshit on this. <laughs> He's like, what do you mean? He's like, you know, your ADR and your double tracking and flanging and et cetera. And he's like, okay. And, and then, then came Abbey Road. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right. Then came take 47. Then came <laughs> Abbey Road. <laughs> right, right, right. Uh, dig a pony. Yeah, yeah. I like this song all right. I don't hate it. It's it's a weird song. <laughs> yeah, it's it's the waltz tempo almost trips it up in a way. It it feels that that false start has always made the whole song feel herky jerky to me too. Like it never quite finds its pocket. Yeah, yeah, it's a funny one. Yeah. Um. Just yeah. Guitar solo and it's great. That just kind of yeah riffing off the the melody is really neat. Yeah. And that's that's gotta be George, right? I think I'm pretty much ninety nine point nine percent sure that's George. Yeah, yeah, that, it, yeah. Because John plays the solos in Get Back, which you forget until you see the video. It's John playing those Get Back solos. That's that's interesting. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, yeah. they're cool that way. Um, yeah, it's a weird lyric. It's one of those kind of John Lennon. It's a gobbledygook lyric. And again, it's he was in his Yoko heavy Yoko phase. And he was also pretty, they were on heroin during this, I think, too. They were, yeah, they were. <laughs> yeah, I think they were. Yeah. They were either kicking it because Cold Turkey came out around some, well, Cold Turkey was, yeah, Cold Turkey came 71? out. 71? When was Cold Turkey? 
uh, cold turkey, I think, was seventy. I think it was right with one of those. I think that I think that came out kind of during this, and it would have been obviously after this, but okay. Yeah, I I know there's a moment in the film or in all those in those in all their filming where they're they're kind of they're kind of smacked out uh, and just kind of. Anyway, I don't know what this song is about, it's, other than it's Yoko. Yeah. You, you don't get this information in the anthology, folks. They don't. They don't get into it. They scrub a lot of the drugs and the Yoko hate out of the anthology. Yeah. What do you think of this song? Uh it's just you know it it it's good to your point. Gobbledygook, Lennon. The riff is great. Like I said, I love the fact. I I love the solo in it. Um, you know, for its time, you can penetrate any place you go where they, you, you weren't, there weren't a lot of bands doing that. I mean, it's, um, or at least not a lot of mainstream like yeah. bands doing that. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's great. Cool. Just a great little song. And then we've got, uh, then across the universe, which, uh, if I, again, that, this is one of my favorite Beatles songs. Um, it it did it did become I felt it did there was there was the movie and all that with the same title it, it became this song it became too big <laughs> it's one of those songs where I'm like oh, I wish less people had this song <laughs> uh, we we still have that and it's all too much by the way there's very few <laughs> left that you can grab onto <laughs> but no I, I I know what you're saying I, I feel like. I don't ever feel like it was that obscure because that's another one that was on the blue album. I mean, yeah. so I think, although it's funny because we're of an age now where God, it's probably been 20, 25 years since generations of Beatle fans were inspired by the red and blue album. That was an entry point for so many people for like decades. And then all of a sudden it wasn't when everything was digital and you don't need to go out and buy four greatest hit CDs to learn the music. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. It's true. Yeah. Yeah, I just I just love this song. Um, I love its weird meter. It's such a weird John Lennon song. I, I, I like it. I think he he couldn't sleep or he he wrote it just he woke up and wrote it in the middle of the night. It kind of just kind of came to him. I love the lyrics. Um, it is funny, though. Now, this is a this is a like nothing's going to change my world. You know, at the time, that's so great. And it actually is very evocative of the whole late 60s baby boomer thing of just like I'm gonna do my own thing and this is my reality but when I look at that when I when I hear that in through today's lens of nothing's gonna change my world it's dangerous it's (laughs) it's it's, it's, it's intransigent it's alternative facts it's all that stuff and I don't don't, I don't not want to get into that (laughs) no it's 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 one of the I've argued for many many a year that you can't really understand the Beatles and vote Republican (laughs) <laughs> or you're able to separate your views and everyone's like, Oh, what about tax man? Okay. For yeah, Nobody likes paying taxes. Some of us understand we have to do it. Yes, man. <laughs> I love that. I love that's it, true. Yeah. That's the libertarians guy to like, well, the Beatles weren't liberal in the sixties. Actually, they didn't want to pay taxes. Yeah. But who does it? Just some of us understand it's important. <laughs> They're also getting taxed in those crazy British rates or whatever, but yeah, they, yeah, they were. Yeah. Um, uh, on the George Harrison live in Japan album, he adds an extra verse to tax man about George, uh, Bush and Boris <laughs> and Boris Yeltsin. And it's even parts appreciated and ill-advised. <laughs> like, 
<laughs> uh, uh, Mr. Yeltsin. That's that's what it is. Is that? Are you serious? Yeah. Uh, they actually say Boris. The backup singers go, uh, uh, Boris Yeltsin. And they're like, oh, come on, guys. Bit of a mouthful. I love you, Niles, but um, yeah. So uh, uh, back to across the universe. I never liked the World Wildlife Foundation. Um, version. I always felt like it was the sped up nature and the birds were annoying. I mean, yeah. it was just, it, yeah. it was kind of off putting it. The opposite of a birds, birds can be one of two things. They can be peaceful or Hitchcockian. And that song <laughs> made me, it was like, get them. What, what's going on here? I don't want to hear any of this. And I think the first time I heard that was on rarities. Possibly it was the first time I heard yep. the yep. world wildlife version. Yeah. Cause that which, came out before past masters. That's right. And yeah. you had to buy that to see a butcher cover if you didn't want to steam iron a yesterday and today cover. Right. That was clearly not. <laughs> <laughs> right. I think I tried to do that with a like a, an 80s capital issue. <laughs> I didn't. You know what I mean? This is poster board. Nothing's taped here, Tony. Yeah. Maybe underneath. I don't know. Got the purple <laughs> label. <laughs> Funny. Yeah. So it's uh, the Let It Be version of me is much like the Let It Be song is vastly improved from the single. When I want to hear Across the Universe, I will put on uh, the Let It Be version first and possibly the Bowie cover second. Oh, yeah. What are your thoughts on that Bowie cover? Do you do you remember that? Do you have uh, thoughts on that Bowie version? Is that the one that's on the, his covers record that he put out in the 70s? He covers the Who on that and stuff like that. Might have been in Young Americans. I feel like oh, there was okay. a time... It was like post doing fame with John and then oh, okay, yeah, you know, they yeah. sa- they sampled Day in the Life on Young Americans. But to me, it just it's a great like Bowie. It's right in that mid 70s Bowie kind of grooving sweet spot. That's, that's a good one. Yeah, I'll check it. I, I'm, I will yeah, say it out. I'm probably not as familiar with it. I, I've, yeah, every cover I've I mean, Beatles covers are hard and that can be another. That's another show. But yeah, I know whatever cover that. Whoever covered it on the album, the uh, the movie, the soundtrack across the universe, I didn't care for it. I thought it was no offense to that person. I I don't remember even. I just remember like I don't like it. <laughs> I'm I'm gonna admit this right here with you. I've never seen the movie. I was too afraid to see that movie. I still haven't seen Yesterday yet. It's been in our Netflix queue for That's nine so months. Funny. I'm, I'm, I, oh, I'm, we we got to get into I'm that afraid. at some point. We got to get I'm into afraid. that. All right. That's another episode. All right. We'll remember that. That's good. I, I So I have seen both. I have seen both. I think I, okay. uh, we'll save it for later, but I've seen them both, but just once and both, I think, in the theater. Um, yesterday, I liked more. Okay. Yeah. I've heard right. yesterday is really good. Yeah, you know, it's what it is. I saw it with my mom. It was something we could agree on. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, I love Across the Universe. Still remains top top song of mine, top 10, if there's that. Yeah. Um, okay. I uh, mean version, version wise? Sorry, Tony, version wise? Yeah. Which one oh, do you I'd, prefer? Oh, definitely. The, the Yeah, the Spectre version. I love that. It's slower. I like, I, I like, uh, didn't, isn't this? No, the, the, the fans that there's two fans that sing on this. Did you know that? Yes. I, th- is that, I think that's on the single version. That would be, well, it's yeah, it's, it's on, I think it's on the wildlife one. Cause it was when it was originally recorded in 68 right. or whatever. Um, there were two apple scrubs or whatever that you want to scruff. Apple scruffs. Yeah. Scrubs, scruffs, uh, How hanging I love around you. Yeah. and they, 
Yeah, so they're the ones singing that really incredibly high falsetto thing. No, so yeah, I love the. Uh, I think you can hear them on this version. I'm pretty sure with all the strings and stuff. Um, yeah, I just I'll I'll take this version any day. Me too. I uh, me mine. I me mine. Yeah, I like it. It's a good. It's a good song. It's a, it's good, a fucking great song. <laughs> <laughs> that guitar riff and the mix on it, like again, it's it's just it it rocks way harder than a waltz should. Yeah, you're right. The chorus, the chorus, they bring they bring that. They they pound it for that. Yeah, yeah. I think it's a funny song. I I remember. It's a funny, yeah, it's a funny, it's a, I, I remember uh, I was in a joke band and we would record everything like on Casio keyboards and we would get drunk. This is like when I was 20 and we would do Beatles every now and then we'd go into Beatles covers. And this is before I knew how to play keyboards. I was just a drummer. So I would be like revolution. Do, 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 do. I would be trying to figure out, <laughs> I couldn't figure out how to do it. Great cover right there. That's a good one. <laughs> and I remember breaking into I Me Mine, you know, out of nowhere, just breaking into I Me Mine. And to me, it just was very funny. Um, so I think of it as a, f- I don't know why I think of it as a funny song. The message is intact. The message is good. Uh, basically comment on people's creed. And a thinly veiled dig at Paul, I think too, right? Even right? though... It was John who wasn't. John's not playing on that record. That is an that is a Beatles cut with no John Lennon. That's just George and Paul and Ringo. That's I didn't know that. Yeah. Oh that wow. That was just a trio. Uh, unless I'm making that up. No, Let's I got the re- I've got the recording book. made up. Yeah, the 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 Lewis and I have it somewhere here too. Yeah. Yeah, let's, those, let's, the just, old Lewis let's assume thing. I'm right. It's that book in like '89 was essential to me. I assume you're right, and I'm gonna just leave it at that. Okay. Um, People can write us if we're wrong. It makes sense. Yeah, yeah. And that I mean, I guess that also goes that speaks to that that quality of this record. I know there's stuff on the White Album that, and also Ballad of John and Yoko. It's just half the Beatles, but um, yeah, it just speaks to that fractured that uh, the cracks are there like, Oh, there's no John Lennon. on what sounds like a band track, you know, that's wild. Yeah. I would say in you as a drummer, I would, I'm, you know, I would say I mean, mine is on my list of one of Ringo's best and most underrated drumming tracks. Hmm. His, his fills on that chorus. And as the tempo's changing back from that, uh, in, in what that, that fast four back to a waltz. Oh yeah. Dump, dump the, the triplets yeah. back into the waltz. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's good. It's tricky. Right. There's a lot of tricky stuff. Really? The, yeah. Ringo had a, when I was, I was thinking back on it, like, yeah, like songs like good morning songs, like, um, happiness is a warm gun. Like those tempos are those time signatures, I should say are, Hard to wrap your head around if you've never heard them before, and then you just got a couple takes to figure it out. <laughs> yeah, he was, you know, whether it was Paul or John telling him what to play, or his sense of feel, or some combination of the two. Yeah, his his taste and his style. I it's like you can automatically tune out somebody who dismisses Ringo Starr out of hand. Like uh, he's uh, like, here's a news flash that Ringo Starr is not Keith Moon or John Bonham or Neil Peart. I apologize to everybody for it. 
you know, yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. His, his sense of taste and his ability to lock in with Paul and compliment everything they were doing. There's no drum track where you think, God, Ringo's overplaying it. Ringo's no. really forcing the issue. He's always right that he lived yeah. in that pocket. Yeah, the, the closest thing he has to overplaying is uh, Rain, and everyone praises his drumming on Rain. They say that's his best drumming. You know what I mean? I I would agree with that, and I, I think that in his chance, he was more comfortable breaking out while contributing to the song than breaking out in the solo at Abbey Road, which he didn't want to do. So I don't to blame me, him. When I, when I, yeah, I mean, I, it's... <laughs> Trump solos it, are fucking boring. <laughs> Yeah, although there were hundreds of bands who never got that memo. No, man. Especially no. in that era. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I agree. Um, yeah, so I yes. like that song. I will say, I, my criticism, the only pushback, I, a, little, a, little, a little too much high hat on some of those fills. Anyway. Oh, hey, write him a letter. Peace and love. Peace and no, love. Definitely send him something to sign and make it a note about his drumming. And I mean, my- <laughs> maybe Peter Jackson can roll off the treble on that hi hat <laughs> movie. <laughs> Bury it in the mix. Yeah. Um, uh, the only other thing I was going to say is that's a big Phil Spectorized tune because he edited it to add the chorus a second time. Oh, that's right. The so, song is sh- shorter than it's longer yeah. than it was recorded. I forgot it's about that. Barely a minute and 40 seconds, I think, originally, and it's about 2.30 or something uh, uh, on Let It Be. So, and, and it works, right? It works. Yeah. It gives you more of what you want to hear, that cool chorus. So, yeah. What was the other time they did that on Hard Day's Night? For um, It's one of those songs. It only had like a, a verse, a chorus, and a verse. The mono I'll Cry Instead. I'll Cry Instead, adds, yeah. Uh, the bridge a second time, yeah. Yeah, they threw the bridge in there twice. That yeah. might have just been in the States. I don't know if the whole world got that edit. I don't think so either. It's a, it's a, it's, yeah, it's a, it's one of those. <laughs> we're, we're in too deep. <laughs> we're in a little deep. But they also did that a little bit, then this is different, but on your blues, coming out of the guitar solo, and they just cut back to the beginning of the song again. Right. And that's why you hear Lennon's lo- vocals still bleeding through on the drum mics or whatever it is. We got to do a whole Your Blues episode. Please. That's Love worthy that song. of, yeah, that's, I'm, I, yeah. Yeah. I'm conflicted on your blues. Oh, it I love what it. I, it's what I love in the context of the album, but I'm not listening to a lot outside of putting on uh, side three of the white album. Oh, oh, you, you what? Wait, what? <laughs> You're not a side three white album guy. No, I, I, I am. I love I, oh. side three might be my favorite side of the white album. I'm Thank not you. listening to your blues. Like I'm not calling it up on iTunes. Uh, if I'm just kind of putting like a playlist for a drive, I, which I still it. do. I don't know if that's me being 46 or if anybody does <laughs> any of that anymore, but I still put, I make mixes as playlists for certain things. Your blues is not on a lot of those anymore. Interesting. All right. Well, let's, yeah, let's pick that one back up. Cause let's keep moving on. Let it be though, because we're all right. Yeah. Well, dig it. The next one, your favorite, I think on this is dig it. If I recall. Well, I like the 19-minute version. To me, that and the unheard and Carnival of Light. Long dig it, what's the new Mary Jane, and Carnival of Light are the pinnacles. Uh, yeah, I, I, dig it works in this. Yeah, the first time I heard, I think I heard the long version on maybe ultra rare tracks. Yeah, maybe right. one of those CDs in 90 or 91. And, uh, you know, it's it's just, it's one of those meandering, It's it's fine. The edit, I think, works great. 
Did they pick the right spot in yeah. those 19 minutes, you think? I think. <laughs> what about you? Where, where are you? Do you dig it? Dig it. <laughs> I like what they picked. I've only heard that full version a couple times. I'm trying to think like what else was on there. Definitely like, yeah, when you hear the, I love that a, Matt Bugsby or whatever, Busby, whatever. Is, he's like a football player, right? I think that's what that is. Okay. I just love that. That's how that song ends. Like all those people, Doris Day, Matt Bugsby, dig it, dig it. <laughs> I love, I love the silliness of it, but yeah, I, I will, I will never put dig it. I don't think I, um, maybe in once in eighth grade, did I ever put dig it on a mix? For an- right, that, that's, that's back in the day of dig it. And you know, my name, look up the number. Although in fair, I still listen to that. So I'm not going to No, you know, my name. Um, I'm like, yeah. That's that song could have been on this album. I mean, it was recorded before these sessions, obviously, but yeah, it's uh, that's Those the B side and let it be single, yeah. So it's across the universe, yeah. Um, yeah, so dig it fine. I love John's falsetto bit after it, oh, and yeah, kinda, and yeah. kind of takes the piss out of let it be right before it begins. Yeah. It's almost like the laughter after within you without you. But this takes the piss out of it before it begins yeah. and let it be so gorgeous. You don't feel like it invalidates it. It puts you at ease. No, that's good, TJ. The only problem is I, I wish I liked let it be. I know. <laughs> we, we, we've been having this conversation since 09-ish, 010. Probably. Oh, 10. Oh, ten. That, that's 2010 in Ireland is 010. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, I love Let It Be. And it's actually my wife's favorite Beatles song. It's as a, as a piano guy, it's one of the first Beatles songs I ever tried to play somewhat competently in middle school. Uh, you don't love it because of a churchy connotation. Is that fair? Is that very is good? That yeah. Just- Honestly, it comes down to my bullshit with Catholicism. <laughs> That's a whole other show. <laughs> that's a whole, yeah, that's a private show with a therapist. But um, <laughs> yeah, so yeah, it's the organ. It's the mention of Mother Mary. I think it just takes me just straight to church. And that is just, just growing up Catholic. And I, I didn't have a good time. I didn't, I'm fine. I really, nothing weird <laughs> happened, but it just was not, it didn't go well for me. Uh, so what are your thoughts on Hosier? Is that how you pronounce his name? He sing Take Me to Church? Am I making this up? I'm I don't know what that up. is. Is this new music, TJ? Because I don't know what it's, that is. It's like, it, it's vaguely new and played for white liberals on WXRT. And, oh, uh, I don't know hours. that. Hosier is? Hosier, yeah. <laughs> I think loosely based on the Strange Brew SCTV characters. Right. Um, take off, eh? Take off, eh? Great movie, Strange Brew. So... <laughs> uh, let it be uh, as as a Jew. I don't I don't bring any of the churchiness stuff to it. I actually find it kind of charming because it's an unfamiliar genre. And yeah. he gets with Mother Mary because of his mother. You know, it's 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 Is not that his like, mother's name. Yeah. Oh. Uh, Mary McCartney. And, and he uh, lost her at a young age. Right. Yeah. Like 14 he or had, something like he that. And John both lost their moms young, which was, I think, an unspoken bonding thing with them maybe it was spoken to but i feel like that's just it's a connective thing for those guys yeah spiritually um but yeah the the build of the song and as we said earlier the the mix of that george guitar solo and this you know you see them bitching at each other in the movie if you want me to play i'll play if you don't want whatever you whatever it is that pleases you I'll, i'll do it all that stuff you know george wanted to echo the hey jude uh verses 
And Paul was like, no, you, you know, <laughs> and it became one of their, maybe their very biggest single, not my personal favorite. I get it. But, you know, so that, you know, they're fighting about a bunch of stuff and let it be. George takes that solo and just, especially on the album version, just destroys it. Yeah, no, that's, I, I love it. It is, it is a, it is a, it is a good song. It's, it's true. It's true. Um, I was going to, I was going to reference something I just read that you, it's in the anthology book. It's when they're doing uh, let it be. And sorry, sorry. Here we go. Here, it's Paul McCartney talking about recording during the let it be sessions on Hey Jude. When we first sat down and I sang, Hey Jude, George went, quote, Nanu Nanu on his guitar. <laughs> I, I continued, don't make it bad. And he replied, quote, Nanu Nanu. <laughs> George was a big fan of early Morgan Mindy, by the way. That's another. Yeah, he was in on the pilot pitches. Um, <laughs> No, real quick. He was answering every line. And I said, well, wait a minute now. I don't think we want that. Maybe you'd come in with answering lines later for now. And he's just describing where that that row, as they call it, uh, began. Probably sparked from Hey Jude and him saying, don't play. And George being like, OK, well, what's the point of this? You know, well, and George had been marginalized for so long with all the two songs, an album, you yeah. know, never, never really getting a, a, a single you know, yeah. until something, I think something was this yeah. first single. Think of all the great songs. Yeah. Yeah. No, but, it's and, a good song. It, yeah. It's a good song. It's a good, it just, but it reminds me of church and I just never want to go to church. <laughs> but it's a You're good here. Song. <laughs> I'll take you up on that. I am not a Jew for Jesus. There are many. I am not. Love Christmas. Love it. Christmas is, even before I married a non-Jew, one of my favorite things in the world is Christmas. I geek out over Christmas. Jews wrote most of the great Christmas songs. I, right. I know. You know. Yeah. No, I've got a <laughs> different <laughs> podcast. Different, yeah. I, you, don't, you don't have to defend anything about that with me. <laughs> I'm cool, man. <laughs> so, so then you go from let it be into another bit. You get yeah. uh, Maggie yeah. May to close outside one. Yeah, and yeah, and you, yeah. It, it really seems like, yeah. Now that now that I'm actually looking at this record, it seems that they took some some time to make sure like the heavy song was backed by this light spirited fun, you know, seemingly rare. It sounds like, but you know, they're having fun. They're pulling out their old songs. They're trying to trying to get this vibe going again that they had when they were kids, you know, but they're just grown people in four separate boxes, you know, right. on that album cover and that black <laughs> funeral looking album cover with, with, with the words, let it be in small white typeface black letters right on top. I mean, yeah, there yeah. an element of, again, it's why for many of us, we get into the Beatles young, you're not entirely sure that Abbey Road. That's it's it's revelatory as a young Beatle fan to learn Abbey Road was recorded after Let It Be. If you try to listen to the albums with uh, uh, respect to cr uh, uh, chronology, yeah, you know, Let It Be feels final, and it because it was, even though it wasn't, it's the end of their career on the radio. Yeah, yeah. I mean, honestly, I'll always consider Let It Be to be their last record. It just it Me just too. is. It was the last record they 
released. So it was their last record, um, but not their last recording. <laughs> last <Right>. record is <laughs> <This> a distinction. <laughs> I mean, Maggie Mae, it's an old cover, right? Uh, who wrote it? Let's see. See the Skiffle song? I think it might be a, or is it A-R-R-T-R-A-D? Is it credited to trad? It is, it just says PD on there, public domain. Yeah. 39 seconds. I didn't know it was that short. Uh, I will use uh, parts of this to uh, like round out when I was burning CDs in like the early 2000s, late 90s for the car. Oh, yeah. I'd, I'd round out, you know, because you can't, you got like a, just under a minute of space left. What do you put on? You put a Maggie Mayer dig it. Yep. That was also on mixtapes. That was a mix. That's like yep. a end of, uh, yeah, end of side. Well, then you flip or, the record. Go or, ahead. Or the, the Jeffersons or WKRP themes were big on cassette. I would put TV <laughs> themes and cassette themes too. Yeah, man. Uh, I mean, I, I, I do. I miss, I do miss sitting down and making like a, a mixtape. I, I loved doing that. And I loved making the artwork for it. And it was something nice to do for girls if you were into girls or whatever. Well, and to get from as nice as it was to, it was better to receive than to give those. It was great to make a mixtape for a, a 15 year old girl, but to get one back. Yeah. Not yeah. recently. I've not made a mixtape for a 15 year old girl. And I'm very, I, there's a lot of shit online. Yeah, no. I've got a lawyer. Come at me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And he's, he's a great, uh, <laughs> I fucked it up. Well, wait, hold on a second. Do you have access to, uh, can you still make cassette mixes? Do you have access to a cassette no, deck anywhere? Okay. No, I'd have to go. I'd have to thrift it. Yeah. Well, when all this, we should mention we're doing this because it's a pandemic and we have like nothing going on. It's true. <laughs> so if, when this ends, I, my Christmas gift to myself, my Hanukkah Christmas gift, my midlife crisis was to get my decent nineties tape deck refurbished. And I've been, my soon to be four-year-old has heard nothing but tapes since about January. We listen to a ton of tapes around here. So That's I'll great. make you a mix and when you are ready to purchase one, I will send it to you. All right, man. No, I like that. No, cassettes were fun. I wonder, like, no, I was going to say, would it be cheaper to buy a car with a cassette deck? Nope. <laughs> nope. Maybe. That's high. Now. That's, that's, that's called being high. No, All right. No, so you, nobody's working. <laughs> and that's called being high. Talking Beatles. Anyway, back to the tape. Okay, go on. Side well, two. flip the record and you've got uh, I Got a Feeling, which I feel like is the song other than maybe All Things Must Pass. I feel like this is the song they worked on the most. Am I wrong? Or maybe it was, I don't know. I feel In like general, I, I feel like Maxwell Silver Hammers and Ubla Diabla Da both wanted to kill everyone not named Paul. <laughs> no, I mean, uh, in this in this for this record, Uh I could be wrong about that. I just feel like every time I watch, and I've only seen the movie once or twice, but they were always playing this song, or that's all the footage they had was of them doing this song. There, there, there's a, a, a lot of takes of this on those, like I think the River Rhine, I'm getting my bootlegs confused, but there's a, a huge kind of set with just endless takes of this. And you see in the video, this also pissed off George because Paul's trying to get George to play that descending right poor Ringo's fell and George can never do it satisfactorily enough for Paul yeah and and I get it and on one hand George Harrison's one of the greatest guitar players in the history of recorded music on the other hand Paul McCartney wrote the song and is 
one of the most accomplished songwriters in the history. So yeah. who's right, who's wrong? And also a tremendous soloist, too. Like, I want to do a whole show on Paul guitar solos. Oh, yeah. I mean, we're talking about Taxman. Yeah, Taxman, Good I mean, Morning, that, Good Morning. Oh. Yeah. Just, again, for someone who could write the sappiest songs in the world, he had a terrible ballad in 83 that was called So Bad. <laughs> we know. We're listening to it. And then everyone always said, it's a little trivia about So Bad for you Pipes of Peace fans. Everyone always said, oh, this it sounds like you wrote a Smokey Robinson song. Smokey covered it about five, six years ago. God loves Smokey Robinson. But it's worse. <laughs> Smokey's like a hundred. <laughs> it's not. He has two Yamaha DX7s. On <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> he told it, it's only Yamaha DX7s. So yeah, um, I think I got a few, and it's become one of the cool things about Live Paul in the last fifteen years or so. It's become a concert staple. It's gone. The casual Beatle or McCartney fan goes to see him now and hears that it feels like canon because Paul does it live now. Interesting. Not yeah. my favorite. I all I gotta say, it's just not my favorite. I love it. I love yeah. It. It's a it's a true John and Paul, right? Because John wrote the Everybody Had a Hard Year. Paul wrote the rest. Yeah. Yeah. It's cool in that way, for sure. Yeah, I don't know. Just, just, to me, out of, out of all those Beatles songs, for me, there's just so many that I like, I prefer to this one. Sure. I, I, I think the John and Paul interplay, and it's two songs, if you really look at it. Again, side one opens with two of us. Not a uh, not a song about John and Paul, but a song that could be implied to be rather easily. And I've got a feeling opens with a, a, a day in the life moment where separate little bits fit together perfectly. It's neat. Yeah. Yeah, it's cool that way. And then they go off to uh, One After 909. One of their first. Yeah. That's another revelatory moment as a young Beatle fan to hear those early what, 62 or 60, early 63 takes of 1-9-0-9? Yeah. Wild. Yeah. yeah, it's cool. They dusted it off. Uh, yeah, yeah. it's got that spirit. It's got that, it, and I, I believe you hear Billy Preston on this one, right? Isn't oh, that, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we haven't talked about him, too. Like, he was also just huge on this record. Uh, having it come together, I think. Without Billy Preston, this record would have been not as good, I think. Obviously, in, in a, it wouldn't have been anywhere near as good musically. And he helped like Clapton did with the White Album. He although Clapton was uncredited for the White Album, Billy Preston right. is the first outside member of the Beatles to be credited on a Beatles record. Clapton, I guess, because a record company bullshit, his name yeah. wasn't on original pressings of the White Album. But yeah, Billy, Pre I mean, the the version you don't love of Long and Winding Road from Let It Be Naked where you can hear Billy Preston solo that much more to me is worth the strip, the kind of stripped version. You're right. Yeah. That's yeah. I forget that you lose that with the, with the glossy version. Yeah. Yeah. His, I love his work. I mean, we're getting into Abbey Road, but like the stuff he did on, I want you, she's so heavy. He was just so, he really made this, this group, uh, I think <laughs> pull it off. <laughs> I mean, it feels like it was on the verge of not even happening. And then, Billy came in and kind of helped. Had the Beatles seen him? They saw him perform in the early 60s. He was in a bunch of bills, but I don't know yeah. for whom. Was he with Stevie's touring band or Rachel? Like, I, I feel like he played in yeah, he a played, significant band. He played with Ray Charles's band. Right. That's what That's what it was. They had seen him when he was like a kid before he was fully grown back in the early days. 
And then someone was watching, yeah, a lot, Ray Charles live. I forget if it was George. I think it was George. George went either saw it on TV or saw him live. I don't know what. Ray Charles performing and and on the keyboard was Billy Preston. He was like, who he looks familiar, but he, he's so big. And so he'd grown. And that and that's what got Billy Preston in his head. And someone gave him a, a ring to see if he was around. And he was. Yeah, man. It's cool. It was cool. It's pretty great. And it was great to have them credit him on that record. You know, I I wonder if Alan Civil, you know, would be <laughs> Should have the same. Uh, right, but great, great Alan Civil reference. Thank you. It's, wait, Alan, is that the uh, French horn in for no one? Yes, he was credited. And why do I know that? Because he was credited, but he <laughs> it wasn't really, on the for no one forty five. Which, which I think was like a, a France issue. I love. Uh, one day I'll show you my weird like. I've got like uh, you're gonna lose that girl as a Japanese forty five, and that's one of my that's Crazy. on my all time top. If I if I have to, we're gonna have to do this challenge at some point. The ultimate top, like you can only take five or ten desert island dicks. Is that what? <laughs> yeah, I think that's how that's pronounced. I love that sound opinions. I mean, arguably the, um, but yeah. So uh, uh, it's to me, it's 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 a great song, and I've also forgotten what song we were talking about. <laughs> oh, we were talking about one after nine oh nine. TJ, <laughs> your favorite. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's uh, it's super. I love Billy Preston's keyboard in it, and it's cool to hear it and compare it to the kind of really almost sterile sounding. Think of their early stuff, even the demos. You know, like post Decca, but pre Please Please Me stuff. One after nine oh nine feels like they could never get it to cook. And they finally got it to cook nine years later. Yeah. It's kind of cool. Less than yeah. that, seven years later. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. It's wow. just seven years. Pearl uh, Jam's had the same album 18 times over 40 years. <laughs> like the Beatles and, and uh, God bless Pearl Jam. All respect to Pearl Jam. And Eddie Vedder loves the Beatles. But it's like, it's just think about it. One of the most significant bands of all time, Pearl Jam. Some great albums. Look, it's it's like comparing uh, LeBron to Jordan. Pearl Jam is LeBron, and the Beatles are Jordan. And <laughs> and that's it for part in my take. Good night, everybody. We'll see you. Where does that come from? We still got three songs. We got let's go long let's go. and winding road, which we've been over already. Yeah, yeah, we have, we have. I like it. Here's my. I'll I'll just add to it real quick. Uh, uh, eighth grade prom. I did not go, and I sat. And I listened to The Long and Winding Road on cassette, and I got sad. <laughs> yes, because that's what that song does. Paul was like, how can I make a more suicide-inducing bridge over troubled water? Okay. <laughs> All right, let me ask you this question before you jump off this. Sure. Uh, you got to pick one. She's Leaving Home or Long and Winding Road. What do you pick? Um, that's a good one. I like them both. I think I like, I think I like She's Leaving Home better, but I, I, I feel that Long and Winding Road is more important. <laughs> you know what I mean? It, yes, it, it, is, it is a much more statement song. And here's a little thing. Neither song really featured the contributions of George Martin. Two of Paul's biggest stringy songs weren't George Martin arranged, right? Because isn't that... Uh, something about she's I forget who scored she's leaving home but George said I can't get to it today and that's right Paul, that's I forgot right. the guy's name but that's it's a weird omission on uh, that's right. Pepper yeah and and George was hurt by that uh 
by Paul's impatience. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I think I George was more that. hurt by the, by the terrible songs on uh, Pipes of Peace that George came in to produce. <laughs> <laughs> While you're killing, see, these are the songs that weren't good enough for tug of war. So maybe go back to the, all right, let's do one with Michael Jackson. And then a video where he's trying to fuck Latoya. I don't know what's going on in the video. They're selling the medicine show. And... <laughs> I don't know. I'll have to rewatch that video. I have yeah. no idea. Yeah. When it gets into the eighties, it's forget it, man. You might as well have just like <laughs> let the zoo loose. <laughs> <laughs> um, so for you blue, this is another George song. I will say this. Uh, yeah. This song to me, like, I don't even, this wasn't this, maybe the last, this was like the last, Beatles song anyone ever worked on in the studio, I think. Like they came in and did one last overdub or something. I think this was okay. Anyway, I always, when I was a kid and I still think this, I thought John's lap guitar sound was just funny. It was a funny, funny sound in a good way. I liked it, but it was, there's like a comicness to it. Like, you know, it's like (laughs) there's something funny about it. It's to me, it was always hypnotic. I always thought the song was, it's so simple. This is one, I uh, have a gig here in town where, at least I do when we're not in a pandemic, where I, I play uh, a Hammond organ. And this is one I play when I do, I try not, I do a fair amount of Beatles stuff, but I try to stay away from the obvious. Like yeah, if it's been on red cool. or blue, I try not to play it because I'm a snob and a jerk. Why well, play something people want to hear? You know, because well, I've heard it. They want to. I mean, I, I get it. But yeah, yeah. You know, what? I'm, I'm like Ben Folds. I'm not playing brick anymore. Do you understand? <laughs> um, but uh, I, I, I love that chord changes are so simple, but so effective. And that melody line, it's got kind of a folk twang to it without sounding like a country parody. Yeah. Or, or I mean, yeah, to me, it was like a blues song that you didn't. I didn't know I was listening to a blues song or something, you know, mm-hmm. when I first heard it. And it's like, oh, I guess this is kind of a blues song. Yeah, it's 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 I mean it's a quirk. I, I would describe the song as quirky. It's a it's a quirky one. I also also think by this song was proof that George was saving his other stuff for all things must pass. Yeah, possibly. Or was he just writing so effortlessly then that, you know anything that came out was just bouncy and joyous and, or melodic and, and beautiful. I mean, that's the beauty of all things must pass. Right. Um, but for you blue, that's where, and he's even calling like Elmore James got nothing on this baby, you know, yeah. during, and to hear him laugh too. Yeah. It's, it's a, another neat kind of open part about let it be that feels organic and, and, and a lot more direct than certainly Abbey Road. As lush as Abbey Road is, let it be just to me, it's always been a more direct album. But one little solo thing, I know we're, we're going a little long here, but um, in one of the great ironic mo- going long, who the fuck can we go for two hours still going long? Hey, sorry, folks, for those of you on the East Coast, we'll join your regularly scheduled programming in just a minute. I guess has um, it been two hours? No, it's been an hour. Yeah. All right. Just the um, time difference. It's, um, <laughs> but yeah, uh, on the concert for George that Eric Clapton organized, and I think oh two, maybe oh three after George had passed, uh, Paul is of course part of the big the the closer, and the two songs Paul sings solo are for you, Blue, and All Things Must Pass, which felt it, they're cool to hear Paul sing those songs backed by uh, Clapton and Jim Keltner and and I think some of Tom Petty's band, 
you know, it, it's great. But when you know Beatle history, Paul singing two George songs, one of which gorgeous but rejected by the Beatles, All Things Must Pass. Yeah. The other, For You Blue, which Paul said, I think, in an interview around the time, he had to really go back and learn both those because he never, he didn't give a shit back then. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He was also busy kind of, yeah being the ringleader really and and then all that business stuff they were they, they were they were yeah when you think about it it's not like they were just sitting around making a record they were still trying to do this apple business and then they had this management shakeup and like all the money like they were they were stressed out and i think maybe that's also what's going on too is it like the stress of their lives kind of comes out a little bit in in the in the songs and and when I think about, so when totally. George, George walks out of, it was January 10th, like early on in the rehearsals, George walked out and he wrote um, Wawa, which is one of my favorite um, oh, yeah. songs off that record. I love the demo of that, but yeah, the, yeah. the, the noise of the Phil Spector, all things was past one is incredible. Yeah. I, I just, yeah. And, and I, to me, that's like, oh, to me, that's a better song than For You Blue, but does Wawa fit on this record? It, it doesn't. For You Blue fits on Let It Be. You know what I mean? Like, I can't see Wawa being on Let It Be. It just doesn't, it doesn't fit. Yeah, it's interesting because people have gone back and tried to assemble, like, you know, every three months, Beatle fan. Love you, Beatle fan. But there's always like, uh, you know, what, what if the Beatles had broken up last album? And, you know, it's got like, it don't come easy and Teddy Boy, you know, like, uh, like, okay, like, you know, junk is on there twice, even once as a sing along. Um, but I, the Beatles albums, as they exist, even when they are flawed, are so perfect, it's impossible to envision any of the early solo songs on them. I mean, give Peace a Chance is Lennon and McCartney for contractual reasons, but on what yeah. Beatles album would that have been appropriate? It's the reason yeah. something like What's the New Mary Jane, as, <laughs> as, as much as Revolution number nine was weird and unlike anything else in on any other Beatles album. There was uh, there was some purpose to what that was. As chaotic as that piece is, it's always felt purposeful to me. Whereas, what's new, Mary Jane was just meandering and you know, yeah, yeah. We'll do a whole what's the new Mary Jane episode. <laughs> oh, the chorus is so dumb. It is the worst thing John Lennon's ever put to record. I think on purpose though. I mean, it is. It sounds like yes, it's, it's, it sounds it like a Charles Manson song. <laughs> it's a Charles one Manson. Inspired song. by and one that inspired. You yeah, know? yeah, yeah. Maybe well, maybe Manson was talking to John. Uh, so and then it closes with "Get Back," the album version. Yeah, which uh, I think that's the version I prefer. That's it's hotter. This, yeah, yeah. The album versions just better it's got that cool f- thing at the end and the yeah you hear is it maureen is that because paul said anyway we're getting to the yeah the, over the over the applause yeah and he says thanks mo thanks mo <laughs> <laughs> yeah good song it uh it's got like a country feel uh yeah it's not my favorite of theirs by any means but i i like it i like all this I mean, and now the scent, yeah. Again, like I said, I'm not like a lyrics person, so I, I don't really hear the lyrics that much. But, you know, now that I think about things, it's like, oh, yeah, this was this was a, a statement they were saying, obviously, in the character of a bigot, you know. Um, 
but I, I never, I never thought of it as a statement song, you know? Well, I, I think cutting the uh, line about the Pakistanis. <laughs> yeah. Right. Which I, I don't know whose idea it was to cut that. I, I, I don't know why they didn't make that. No, I'm not, I'm not defending it. I'm just saying, I don't, like, was it George Martin? Was it John? I, I don't know who said, you know, let's not do that. that like, you know what I'm talking about, right? And There's a whole version where they say, like, don't want no Pakistanis taking all right. the jobs and all that. It's Paul, and he's it's it's in a riffy moment there. But, I mean, that that's the crux of the song. He was just saying the song you know, in full character, no subtext. Like Ted Danson wearing blackface with Oprah. All my references are really topical. <laughs> you know, if you need an 88 Oscars thing from it, call me. Was that um, the Oscars? I have, I, does it seem like it was? I have no idea. I remember that moment. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I, I, that's another song that Billy Preston, not just saves, but owns. To me, it's the finest Billy Preston work on any Beatles record. Yeah. And I, I will say this. I mean, so Beatles music is how you you experience it. And um, right when I was getting into the band, um, I was in eighth grade. And at that time, they used to run uh, TV ads on for WCKG. And it was it was time lapse of of people painting the billboards. And it was a time lapse of a guy painting the Sgt. Pepper cover. And the commercial was just the beginning of the album version of Get Back with all the chatter at the top. Picture the fingers and all that. <laughs> I promised I wasn't going to do a... I'm never going to do a Sweet Liverpool. Sweet Loretta you know, too. <laughs> yeah. Rosetta, we could do all day. Yeah, all that. And I loved it. And then, yeah, and then eventually the song kicks in and it was a 30-second spot, whatever. But, like, it's a... I have a fond memory of that song being used for that spot and that moment of my life of me just discovering this band. Like, you know, if you could do it all over again, you would, it's just such a beautiful, and that's what people keep doing, you know, keep re-listening to what we're doing, you know, yeah. listening to these records, like trying to capture that joy that happened the first time you heard about these four kooky guys, you know? Well, and that's, I agree with everything you just said. And it's, that's another song that's attained. I mean, it was a big hit. It was a big single, big album track, all the greatest hit stuff. But that's another one that Paul's been doing live on and off in concerts since 89. And I think that's another one that's attained an even greater. I, I think it's fair to call Get Back one of the Beatles' greatest rock and roll songs, at, or at least one of their most popular. And there is a difference, by the way. I mean, yeah. not if if you look at, their singles are some of the greatest songs ever recorded. And in some cases they're not as good as the album tracks concurrent with those singles. I mean, there's, you know, uh, when that's uh, what always floors you, what keeps me, I get into the Beatles very young. I was five, I'm 46 now. And uh, what's always amazed me is, you know, in my life wasn't a single and it's one of the most ubiquitous songs ever recorded. The entire Sgt. Pepper album is, is pop culture can, I mean, and there's no, there's incredible Stones albums and, you know, Zeppelin and Pink Floyd and the Who bands. I'm, I'm not trying to ignore current bands, but of that quote unquote classic rock era, so many bands of so many, you can't argue with Exile on Main Street. But Exile on Main Street didn't sweep the world the way fucking Sergeant Pepper did. No, or, pe or Pet Sounds or whatever. Right, or Pet Sounds, right, which, and that's another topic for down the road too, is the kind of rubber soul, Pet Sounds, Pepper, like, 
What a just <laughs> and I'm 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 not a big Beach Boys guy. I have great appreciation for the Beach Boys. Yeah. There's a lot of Beach Boys I really like. They have a live album from when they were opening for the Dead that feels no Brian Wilson, but if it, but like Mike Love's kind of reined in and it feels almost jam bandy takes on like Help Me Rhonda and wouldn't it Yeah, be, yeah, that's when they were getting like, they were getting furry. Yeah, with like <laughs> Ricky Fatar in there from yeah. Reynolds fame. Um yeah, but yeah. But, but there's just something about the consistency, the variety, and the speed with which the beat and the excellence which 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 with the Beatles were be able were able to work that has always just floored me. It keeps me from getting bored with songs I've heard for 41 years over and over again. Yeah, yeah. I don't I don't know how. The, yeah, I still don't know how they do it. Yeah. God, God love them if you're if you believe in God. <laughs> let's, let's do that song. <laughs> next on Untitled Beatles we're going to get into why Please Please Me was left off Beatles 1 and do you believe in God cue the Huey Lewis parody now <laughs> I was praying <laughs> yeah I think that's how it ends Untitled Beatles podcast like and subscribe 